Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and we've got the full team back together this week. Thanks to Hoop7, we'll have Sean Redditch, the scoring machine, jo- joining me in the co-hosting chair. We'll have our we'll have our boomerang award th- with Damian Martin. We'll have our tab touch preview with Matty Knight, who's coming to us live from Melbourne, where he's coaching his WA Country 18s team. And we've got plenty to get through. A lot happening in the world of the NBL right now, so let's not waste any more time. I'm Chris Pike, but let's get to the man himself, a very busy scoring machine, Sean Redditch. School holidays aren't the aren't the quietest time for you, are they? No, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty busy. Our second week of of camps this week got to over two hundred kids uh, filling into Bendat Basketball Center for uh, four hours of basketball each day. So it's been a lot of fun, but um, it is busy trying to uh, put the the program together. But great to see so many kids uh, picking up a basketball and playing over the school holidays. Now, did I say right that Hoop Seven's helping you out at Redditch Basketball as well and offering you some support? That's right, yeah. yeah. We're giving away uh, a couple pairs of shoes to uh, one in, one player and, and two of their teammates. So uh, hop on our social media. I think it closes in, in about a day's time. So, uh, yeah, thanks to Hoop Seven helping us out there. And hopefully uh, there'll be three players with shiny new uh basketball boots mm. uh, ready for the upcoming season oh, which uh for the wobble kids starts this this weekend yeah, it does and nbl one gets underway as well which i'll get your thoughts on about later in the show um so stay tuned we'll have we'll have the demo award when damien martin joins me thanks to boomerang and later on the tap touch preview with maddie knight um just touching on maddie um did you ever get the feeling he'd be a coach when you were his teammate for those years at the wildcats sean Oh look, Matty was always a uh, you know he was he was a clever basketball player, and you you knew he uh, you know studied the game and and just seemed to always be in the right position. So I think it was only natural for him to uh, kind of go into to that route. I mean, he is a quieter guy, but I'm sure just his experience and being able to relate with the kids, and you know his parents are are teachers yeah. as well, so he's kind of got teaching in his in his blood. So I'm sure he's doing a fantastic job with the uh, WA country. Boys, and uh, I'll be interested to see if they match up against his home state of Tasmania, mm. and see uh, see if he can uh, knock off his home state at some stage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed his insights here on the show. So we'll we'll touch base with him once again later on. Now, plenty of basketball action to get through. Every day we've got a at least one game in the NBA right now, Sean. So things are moving along pretty quickly. Let's just take a look back at what we've seen over the last last eight days, and then I'll get your thoughts on how you think think things are, are stacking up. So round 13 got underway way back on last Wednesday night with the Brisbane Bullets beating the Illawarra Hawks 88-82. to Then we saw the Perth Wildcats beat the Sydney Kings in Sydney 73-69. to Then the Illawarra Hawks got one back over the South East Melbourne Phoenix 82-80. to Then Saturday night we saw the winning streak of the Wildcats come to an end in Adelaide. The 36ers won 83-68. to we saw Melbourne United beat the New Zealand Breakers 84 to 78. South East Melbourne Phoenix win in Sydney over the Kings 98 to 84. Then the Hawks beat the Taipans in a close one 82 to 80. 
Uh, Melbourne United beat the Brisbane Bullets on Monday night, 98 to 89. And then in, a, in an amazing game in, in Launceston on Tuesday, the Wildcats beat the Breakers 85 to 79. And then round 14 got underway with another tight one in Cairns on Wednesday night. The Taipans winning 91 to 88. Um, out of all of that, Sean, what jumps out, out at you? <laughs> a lot of NBL <laughs> basketball. It's a uh, it's been a unique season from that point of view. I'll be interested to actually hear the players' perspective mm. on you know so many games, the travel. I mean, the Wildcats playing three games in in one week, and mm. a few other teams doing that as well. So it was you know, you're looking at the scores, and I just love the fact how close they are. Yep. I mean, every game is coming down to the wire, and even if you look at that 36ers Wildcats game, where 36ers, you know, ended up winning by 15, but the Wildcats still had a chance there in the fourth mm. quarter, um, and that and that's what you want. I mean, that gives you that there is parity in the league. I know there's discrepancy between United 17 and five and the Taipan six and 17, but um, I don't think that there. You know, you look at those two teams. Th- there's not that much no. gap in the in the talent well, they, there. They, they um, played twice. The they played each other twice over Easter, and they're both pretty competitive games. Yeah, so I mean that's that's what you want in the league. I think um, you know that we've gotten rid of the point system and we've we've built in a, a better system. I think mm-hmm. into it, and it's uh, it, you know it's it's exciting. And there, there's some of the games were just uh, incredible um, and and interesting how they all kind of played out. So that uh, you know that 36ers Wildcats game. I mean, some of the shots that the 36ers were hitting mm-hmm. um, just goes to show the 36ers have been struggling going into that game, but. You know, when they, when you find a team that's on and, you know, even Pender's knocking down three. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it lit, knock one or two shots down and gives everyone else confidence. Now, speaking of that game, now Damien Martin will talk about it later. So Sunday Detch did a terrific performance on on Bryce Cotton, holding him to 10 points, three of 15 shooting. And then Bryce continued that struggle into the game on Tuesday in Launceston, didn't score in the first quarter. He didn't make, he didn't make a field goal in the first half. I think he was... He was 0-5 shooting by half time with five points all at the foul line. Um, but then you just can't rule him out. That he, hadn't, he'd, he had missed, I think it was 17 three-point shots in a row, but then he hits that amazing shot at the buzzer to send it into overtime. And he finishes the game on a night where you would think he struggled with 34 points. I mean, have you seen anything like it? No, I haven't. <laughs> I mean... I mean, one, I mean, I don't know what's more amazing, that shot he hit or the fact that Bryce Cotton had missed 17 <laughs> straight threes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he would has ever done that mm-hmm. in his career. You know, he could probably kick one and make <laughs> yeah. one out of 17. Um, so that was pretty remarkable. And then to hit the biggest one, you know, right after he just missed a, a shot where he got a good, it was a tough shot, mm. but he, he got a good look, yeah. um, was was pretty pretty remarkable and then you know to come come down i one thing he didn't do is just fall in love with the three-pointer mm-hmm. you know i know he shot a lot of threes but he seemed to attack he the did. basket a lot yep. more and um he drew a couple fouls and uh tried to be a little bit of a playmaker at times as well so you know he finished with 34 and you just look at what you know the wildcats just put the ball in his hands mm-hmm. i mean for the last probably 15 minutes of that game, every time down the court, the ball was in Bryce Cotton's hands. He didn't ta- always take the shot, but he, he was making the play, and you know they're just playing right through him. And, you know, if he has an off night like he did 
in Adelaide, the Wildcats can get beaten. Um, and, you know, that's probably going to be the key. But, uh, you know, that's not going to happen too often. So, uh, you know, credit for – it takes a lot of guts and, and skill and confidence to be able to step up and still still have a night when you're, when you're having a mm. shocker. So uh, credit to Bryce Cotton. Probably just another – Another one of those stories we'll tell about him when uh, when his career's <laughs> yeah. all done. Um, basketball is an amazing sport where you can still put the ball in the hole and you're actually hurting your team. So William McDowell-White trying to miss that second free throw up the other end, which would have meant that had he missed it, the Wildcats just wouldn't have got a good shot off and Bryce would have never got to, got to, got to make that story for us to tell. I mean, what, what was going through your mind when you saw... That foul shot that he tried to miss ended up banking in and it just opened the door for Trevor Gleason to call that timeout and advance the ball. Well, that that was the other part that was pretty remarkable about that game as well. McDowell White hits the go-ahead shot. That was mm-hmm. his first shot of that he hit mm-hmm. all game. I don't know exactly what he was at that point, but he was 0 for something yep. <laughs> until yep. he hit the game uh, go-ahead uh, layup and then he has the two free throws. Um, and actually on TV, I couldn't really tell that he tried to bank it. The, no, um, the commentators either. were no. talking about yeah. it. Um, but then, you know, as they were talking about it, it did make sense. I mean, that's that's what you want to do. A team not able to advance the ball if the ball's, you know, if it's a missed shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you want to, uh, you know, you'll live with a three-quarter court mm-hmm. three-pointer loss than, uh, you know, a tie by by Bryce Cotton, so uh, it, but trying to bank a free throw in is tough. It is, yeah. Um, but also, I'm not a big fan of trying to bank it. I feel like you're. I feel like you just try and shoot it just a little bit to the left or to the right yeah. and hit the rim and have it go sideways, yeah. um, rather than trying to bank, hit the rim, and and a miss. I think that's a little bit tougher. Have you done it in a game um, but, before? Hey, yeah, I have. I have mit, tried to intentionally miss a few more when I or my team was down, say down four or something, yep. and you need to, or, or down three, and that you know if you make the shot, you're still down mm-hmm. two, that you might try and get a rebound at the last um, last little bit. So, but um, it's you know I, I liked. I think the strategy was right. Mm-hmm. The execution wasn't great, um, and I'll be interested. Maybe a few teams might be practicing that with yep. this week. Sure. Um, hey, can we miss a free throw <laughs> yeah. intentionally? Um, hopefully that doesn't hurt their uh, free throw percentages <laughs> as well. No, I think you'd always take the win though. I think again, you can uh, you can excuse unless you're Daniel Johnson right now. He's on a I I I'm not sure what what he went last night, but going to last night's game, he had hit 20 free throws in a in a row. So maybe if you're on a streak like that, you you do think about it. Um, now we're seeing some. We've seen some terrible injuries right now in, in the league as well, and, and two ruptured Achilles to probably the two leading candidates for the rookie of the year of the year race over the, over the last week or so. Sean, what was your what was your your reaction when you first saw Jack White go down, and we had it confirmed that he'd ruptured his Achilles, and then only a day or two later, DJ Vasilovic did the same thing. Yeah, that's a it's a it's an interesting one, and uh, it's a shame for the league. I mean, these two guys were just outstanding. Um, they're fun to watch. I mean, I love Jack White and what he brings defensively. His energy, you know, he's a he's a better athlete than I even thought. Um, mm. Sometimes it can kind of 
not look as impressive, say, in a college environment, but in the in the NBL environment, he just looks um, he just looks outstanding out there. And DJ, I mean, we've talked about him. He was my favorite at the start of the yep. year, and um, unfortunately, probably you know this this injury takes him out of the running. But it's a uh, you know it's a debilitating injury as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a long recovery. I, I you know I know Damian Martin mm-hmm. had that injury and. Um, it's, it's not an easy one to come back and you're probably always going to have a little bit in there feeling, and and, you know, these are non-contact injuries as well. You just wonder, does the schedule have something to do with it and the amount of games that these guys are playing and they're coming out of being in a college environment where they're, you know, training for a couple months. Yeah. I mean, they're training year round, but their, their real season is only, you know, three, four months long Mm -hmm. where, um, these guys have been ready to play for a long time now before the even season even yeah. started in January. So it's been a long time and, you know, they're going to be playing eight more games this season. I'll be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few more injuries towards the end of this. Um, teams might need to be mindful, kind of similar to what NBA teams are doing and, and resting some of their stars. I could see Melbourne United, the Wildcats, if they kind of got a comfortable top two position, they you know they might rest up Bryce Cotton coming down the stretch or um, you know a Jacques Landale just to make sure they're 100 percent come finals time. Well, touching on that, I'm curious to get your thoughts, especially probably with Isaac Humphreys at Adelaide. Now that I mean it's going to be tough on them to make the playoffs from here. Um, he's potentially got an NBA future again, another chance based on what he did deliver at the start of this season. Do you risk coming back if you're if you're Isaac for the last three or four weeks? Look, I still think you do. Mm. Uh, I think there's a you know you want to get out there and 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 even you know potentially for uh, you know teams want to see that you can come back from an injury and that you're going to be healthy and you, you know I don't know exactly where his contract situation is, but. If uh, if he's available, teams are l- much more likely to to throw some big coin at him if if he comes back and he has a few good games to finish off the season, um, than than if you know he's injured and and can't come back. So I still think those guys will come back. It's not uh, I don't think the NBL's the NBA yet mm-hmm. in that regards. Well, they'll just sit guys for the rest of the year. Um, you know that, and and the guys want to play. I mean, I'm sure he wants to play. I just wonder if the advice will be that he gets. Maybe he doesn't. It's not in his best interest. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just know uh, personally for me, I'd I'd want to get back out on the court. Oh, and I'm sure he he wants to. There's no doubt about that. Now a couple more guys injured: Ty Webster at the Breakers and Vic Law at the Bullets, who has absolutely been ruled out for the rest of the season. Um, I mean. Are they devastating blows for those two teams? Uh, I mean, can you see the breakers probably already can't make it? Does that rule the bullets out of contention just about too? I wouldn't rule the bullets out, but I think it's going to make it make it tougher. I guess it it, it depends on if they can get Lamar Patterson mm, back sure. playing at a level um, that we've seen him in the past, and uh, you know he's back playing now. Um, I think he's still probably a few games away from from probably hitting his strad. So they're going to need him. And I mean, Sobey's having an outstanding year. It's probably, you know, hasn't been talked about on our show enough, but he's, he's playing at a, at an unbelievable level. So I, I'd like to see, you know, uh, a Sobey playing at the level he is and a Lamar Patterson. I think they could give a, a good crack to get into that top four um, with, with the, the big guys they have mm. and, and Hodgson and, and Frawling as well, starting to, to find his, 
his groove. So, you know, it is tough. Vic Law was playing really well, and, and those two guys, Sobe and Law, were, were having a bit of a connection. And then you got Ty Webster. It's unfortunate. I mean, the news out today is that the Breakers are actually going to get some home games, yep. which is which is great. But uh, I'm sure they would have loved to have seen the, the Webster brothers playing together mm. in front of the, the home crowd there in New Zealand. Now, just finally, before we wrap up this first segment and get to Damian Martin, are you expecting to see any teams making any personnel moves? It's getting to the point where it's almost too late. I think they have to play nine games this season to qualify for finals. Most teams have somewhere between 13 and 15 games left, so they'll have to make that move soon. Are you expecting any more moves in the next couple of weeks, or do you think the teams, that what they've got now is what they'll stick with? You know, a team that I could see making some changes would possibly be the Hawks or the Phoenix, mm-hmm. yeah. um, especially depending on where they see Mitch Creek, sure. kind of, that stuff um, playing out. Uh, and maybe if, if there's some Australians coming back from or Kiwis coming back from Europe. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think the Hawks are probably one big guy away from – um, being competitive as well, so oh, here you know, we go. I could see them. Will Magnate is now available. Does somebody sign him? Well, I think any team would put their hands yeah. up. I could see the Wildcats actually looking oh, at Will Magnate. Yeah. Um, you know, they could use a, a big guy in, in that regard. So uh, I think there'll be a bit of interest there. I could, yeah, any of those teams. I mean, obviously, he's got that connection with the Bullets. I'm not sure he's a great fit back at the Bullets with Hodgson, with Frawling. I think they become way too big. Um, they got they got Harrelson there too. Yeah, and I think the King. You know, Phoenix got some pretty good bigs there, but I could I could see the Hawks mm-hmm. and Wildcats really trying to uh, look at Magne seriously. Well, it would be a great idea for him to sign at the Hawks potentially too, because if he wants to be playing at the Olympics, why not go and play for the Olympic coach? Well, there you go. That's, uh, you know, I hadn't made that connection yet, um, but you, you mentioned that now. I think that, uh, you know, might have to ask Gorgon about yeah. that. Uh, hopefully we can get him on a show in the future. Yeah, that's that's our plan. So that'll be absolutely something we can ask him about. Now, we do, we'll need to update our Hoop 7 Player of the Year award at some point, Sean. I'm not sure you've got your most recent votes ahead of in front of you right now. Oh, no, I've got them. I've got them, Pikey. Oh, you do? Prepared. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us? your most recent votes, and then we'll update that leaderboard. Well, we kind of mentioned um, briefly, but, you know, Harvey, he's had an outstanding week. I know they lost to the Bullets early, but, uh, you know, to get the win versus Phoenix and then Taipans, both actually the same score, 82-80, mm. was, um, those were um, some great games, and he had a blinder um, as well. So he gets five votes. DJ's playing. I mean, he's so consistent, yeah. but he's kind of taken his game over the last week up to another level. He gets four votes. Creaky, uh, Mitch Creek is, you know, getting back to his uh, self that we saw early in the season. He gets three. Landale gets two. And then Cotton, although he struggled, um, you know, to be able to bounce back and, and still get a win. The, the, the Wildcats still went two and one. They're yeah, not playing. Yeah. They're not, haven't been playing great over the last week. Um, Cotton gets one vote as well. Well, I mean, he still had thirty-four points in that in that game. Um, it's tough to tough to ignore. So that means our leaderboard is 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 interesting, Sean. So Tyler Harvey closes the gap on on Bryce Cotton a little bit. Mitch Creek takes a little bit of a jump up. Jock Landale gets into double figures, and and Daniel Johnson. That's probably his first votes for for a long time. He gets up to eight votes as well. So 
Um, as good as Bryce Cotton's been, um, certainly Tyler Harvey, Nathan Sobey, John Mooney, um, they're right in contention still, thanks to Hoop 7. Yeah, they are. And, and I think, um, you know, I mean, I don't think the Hawks are anywhere near top four without Tyler Harvey. No, so no. Um, I think that that's a, um, you know, I'm looking at the list and, and it's looking how it should be to me. Um, I think so. And there's a few more rounds to to go that, uh, you know, if you get a couple five five point rounds, you're uh, you're sitting right at the top of the leaderboard. So, you know, it's still up for grabs at this stage. Absolutely. So thanks to Hoop7 for that Player of the Year award. When we come back, we'll have the Demo Award thanks to Boomerang. Then I'll catch up with Maddie Knight for the Tap Touch preview. And then I'll be back with the Scoring Machine to wrap up the show. Okay, back here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, and thanks to Boomerang, I'm joined by the one and only Damien Martin once again. Damo, I think it's a pretty busy time in, in your little world. How are, you, how are you handling things right now? <laughs> yeah, it has been. Obviously, there's a, a few things going on since retiring from basketball itself. I'm lucky enough to be a part owner of a real estate company and doing some sales myself, so that keeps me busy, but then also there's a foundation I'm involved with where I oversee the basketball side of it up in Roeburn in the Pilbara, the northwest of WA, and as an incentive for attending school, staying out of trouble with the law, attending our workshops and, and training sessions, then three of the kids uh, that have been, well, they've ticked every box, to be honest, and attend all the training sessions and all the workshops, they're being rewarded this weekend, so they're flying down to Perth, some of which for the first time, uh, and they'll go to the West Coast Eagles game on Friday, then they've got iFly uh, Saturday and then some temping bowling Saturday afternoon mm. and a nice little dinner uh, by the beach. And then Sunday they're going to go to gold class for the first time. Uh, this was all on their bucket list, some, or some of these things are on their bucket list. Mm-hmm. So gold class movie to watch Godzilla and then head to the Wildcats game where I'll be lucky enough to sit courtside with them, enjoy the game and hopefully see the Wildcats get a win and you know they can go back to their school in Roeburn and hopefully, if they've had an amazing time, That'll be enough for, you know, two, three, four more kids to say, all right, I'm going to straighten up a little bit, stay out of trouble, attend these workshops, go to school. And if they do that, we'll be more than happy to bring them down uh, at next next school holiday. So, yeah, it's very exciting because it's something that I've been involved in, in theory, for a long time. But now for it to be on the ground, up and running and, and having our first rewards trip, yeah, I'll be uh, chaperoning and you'll find me out there doing a lot of gutter balls at 10-pin bowling <laughs> and probably getting scared at Godzilla. So, yeah, big weekend coming up. Oh, fantastic. Um on the home front too, Damo, um, anyone that's moved house knows that that's not an easy thing to do. Um, to do it with two kids, I assume it's a little bit tougher tougher as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially when uh, you have a two-year-old who nicknamed Barnacles. She just <laughs> sticks to you, does not want to let go. So my poor wife, it's mainly Brittany she wants to go to, but while you're trying to lift heavy items and you've got someone clinging to a leg or wanting to be picked up, it's been uh, not as smooth as we would have liked, but... Yeah, we're just uh, moving a little bit closer to where our daughters are going to school currently and seem like a good idea. And now that we've done it, I'm, I'm adamant I will never move again. <laughs> it has not been a fun week or so, but uh, we're getting there. We're yeah, getting there. No, it's, it's, it's always a, a big process. Um, now, what about on a basketball front, 
I've got to start by asking about Bryce Cotton. Um, have you ever seen a game like that one he had in Lord and Seston on, on, on Tuesday night? He he looked terrible for the first half. Scores in the first quarter, five points. I think it was one of six shooting um, by half time. Uh, by late in the fourth quarter, he had missed seventeen straight three pointers. Um, <laughs> then he hits the, hits the three pointer to send the game into overtime, and he ends the game with thirty four points. Have you se- ever seen anything like it? It's it's incredible, and if anyone was going to do it, well, the O from 16 is the only surprising part of it, but if anyone was going to be able to hit another game-winning shot, it's, he is the fittest player in the league, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. He is just a freak. But it's the first time I've actually thought he looks fatigued at times. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, they've been on the road so much, it's you know, he gets hit every time he cuts, big minutes, relied upon a score, so on and so forth. First time I've ever seen him fatigued. I actually verbalised that to a mate I was watching the game with, and then he got three layups in a row yeah. on blow yep. <laughs> He gets them back in the game. He hits a step back long two. And then before you know it, he's hit a, a double clutch three-pointer with, you know, 1.7 seconds left on the clock to tie it up. And then he just took it. I mean, they started down five in OT, yeah. but then he got going and, yeah, the rest is history. But that finish, I've actually been a part of a very, very similar one. Years ago, we were playing Cairns when Mark Worthington was with the Taipan. Yep, I remember. And same situation. Few seconds left on the clock, or less than two left on the clock. If you miss the second free throw, you're relying on the home team or the team that's losing, which was Perth, to grab the the defensive rebound, land with it, turn, and throw a full court shot to mm. you know to win the game or to tie the game. Were they tried missing the shot instead? Just like what happened against New Zealand last night, the shot is banked in yeah. while yeah. attempting to miss it. Timeout, advance to halfway. I think Jaron Johnson might have hit the shot for us in that Cairns game, yeah. since the overtime or, or the win, and then this time it was Bryce. So, yeah, sometimes fortune favours. <laughs> I mean, you, you need luck to go your way at times, yeah. and you know that was that was an escape for the Wildcats, but it was off the back in the end of 31 points that were all earned, <laughs> and most of which, if you tell me Bryce goes to 31, I'm thinking you know 15 are from behind the three point line. Yeah. 28, 28 scored inside the three-point line and only that one mm. game-tying one on the buzzer. So an incredible performance that even when he does look fatigued, even when he looks down and out, he still managed to pull off miraculous things, get himself to a new level, get blow by, keep throwing fouls on the opposition and sometimes the best way to score points when you're not seeing them drop from behind the three-point line is get to the free-throw line and he did exactly that. So just an, like I've, he's just an inspiring player. And I think last night in particular, seeing how tired he was, how hard he was still trying, I think that's why guys like Nordo, Kev White, Jesse, like everyone that had their stints, Mooney was down. Mm. The two superstars they've been relying upon, it was the role players that kept him in the game and at times got a lead. Yeah. But in the end, it came down to Bryce being Bryce and, and got them the, you know, the, the win when it counted. But yeah, that was the most inspiring win last night because it wasn't dependent on the three big names stepping up. You know, they did for the last 10 or 12 minutes, but it wasn't the full game. Now, because during your career in Perth, the New Zealand Breakers were your great rivals, um, do you still have some of that feeling that's still there when you watch the two teams play now? Or do you have a little bit of a... Of, does a little bit of your heart go out to the Breakers when you see a, a loss like they had last night? Yeah, it's, for me it has changed a little bit just because so many names and faces have changed. Yep. 
you know, Webster and Abercrombie, I believe, would be the only two that I played against on a regular basis yeah. in postseason play. Yep. You know, I'm looking at the guys on both sides, and and Jesse was there. Those two names I mentioned from New Zealand were there, but it's pretty much two completely different yep. organisations. Yep. And that that rivalry was built off two clubs consistently battling it out for a championship, yeah. whereas the rivalry we have with Adelaide, that's them from day one purely because of proximity. You know, Perth and Adelaide, they're the closest city mm-hmm. to us. So mm-hmm. that's always going to be a rivalry, regardless of names on the back of a jersey. That New Zealand-Perth one seems to have died off a little bit, and that's probably starting to get replaced with, you know, maybe a Perth-Melbourne or a Perth-Sydney yeah. in particular, uh, especially with the Casper Bryce Cotton <laughs> battles that seem to be going on and being enjoyable to watch. So, yeah, I've always had an immense respect amount of respect for the uh, breakers, but it, it does seem to be a bit of a turning of the tables and, you know, two other teams have kind of stepped up and, and New Zealand are battling out a little bit. But, yeah, Abercrombie and Webster, especially on Abercrombie's 350th mm. game, he eclipses his penny for most three yeah. mate, who I rate as possibly the greatest shooter I've had to guard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, yeah, those two guys I, I tip my hat to will, will forever respect. But as far as the rivalry of Perth versus New Zealand, I think it's changing a little bit. I want to ask about the Illawarra Hawks one as well. Um, now that you've retired, do you feel a little bit sorry for them? They've lost 34 of their last 35 times that they've they've come to Perth, and it becomes relevant this week because they're about to come back to Perth to play on Friday, on Friday night. Obviously, Brian Gordon's only been there for one of those, so he brings a whole different level of probably probably confidence to, to the group that they might not have previously had. But did you ever feel sorry for the Hawks back in, the, back in some of those days? No, I never, never felt sorry for an opposition. <laughs> not, not, never felt sorry insofar as the, the team they had. Mm. There were circumstances I did feel I wish were, were better for some clubs. And, and in particular, you know, when Illawarra were put in the liquidation, when I heard that their players weren't getting paid, yeah. that adversity, you know, these guys, I went through it in Sydney with did, the Sydney yeah. spirit. And, and it's a tough, it's a tough mental battle. You know, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got credit card bills. You know, I've got to go out and perform and put that all away for the next 40 minutes while I'm on a basketball court. And over the, the course of a season when there's all these, you know, rumours that you're not going to get paid and then it eventually happens, you know, it can take its toll. But credit to Illawarra, they always played hard. Mm-hmm. They were always so hard to beat. And even though we had that, you know, we have that number of wins against them in Perth, you better believe that when you, you see the schedule come out and you know you've got Illawarra coming up, you don't rely on history. You don't rely on stats. You rely on going out there and you better play good basketball if you want to continue that type of thing. Definitely not going to be handed to you. Illawarra aren't scared of playing in Perth, even if history will show they've what done it once in the last 34 or 35 games. Do you remember that one game that they won? Does that stick out to you? I do. I was injured. I was injured. So that's not why we lost. <laughs> um, but I, because I was injured, it meant I probably spent more time being able to see, you know, the Hawks' reaction afterwards. And I remember it just seemed to have meant the world to them. And, mm. and I believe they were actually quite emotional in the locker room. But some of the older guys, um, it, yeah, apparently got quite emotional in there yeah. because they had tasted losses for year after year. And you've got to remember, a lot of these losses were in postseason. Absolutely. I think still to date, every time the Illawarra Hawks, or maybe it's just over the last 12 years, but the last 12 years when the Hawks have made postseason play, lost to the Wildcats. Yep. They've lost the Wildcats, whether it's a semi-final or grand final matchup. Now, I think it's five, five playoff series in a row. I think it is. Yeah, so it's, it's incredible when those things just seem to happen. You know, it's, a lot of it's by chance. But then you hear these these numbers rattled off or these statistics, and you're like, oh wow, that's 
that's crazy. The players don't realise it until they read about it or hear it on the radio. But then you look back on it and you're like, yeah, we, we did face up in that that battle and it went our way, but could easily have gone a semi-final win to them or a championship to them. So, yeah, we had a lot of great tussles. And I just mentioned New Zealand earlier. Right behind New Zealand, for five or six of those years, were Illawarra. We were just battling it out in semi-finals and grand finals. I imagine behind New were, Zealand, they're probably the team that you played the most playoff games against, probably. Yeah, I think you're right. And they always had the underdog tag with them. And they never used that. The players never used that as an excuse whatsoever. And we always the knew we were in for a hard court battle. But I was going to say, that's why it changes the players, actually, just, just subtly. Bevo liked to play out the underdog tag. But uh, he's, a, he's a mastermind. He's a great coach. For sure. So whatever's going to fire up his players, and, and boy, were they fired up at times. Now, last week when we spoke, we talked about how horrible it was for Jack White to rupture his mm. his oh. Achilles. And now we've got DJ Vazilovic doing the same thing. They're probably one and two in Rookie of the Year voting right now. Um, how much do you feel <laughs> for both of them? Yeah, it's just, it's so frustrating when you tear your Achilles tendon because you know you've got nothing to do but surgery, mm. you know, crutches, moon book, it, it, and just watching, like you're just watching from the sideline, wishing you could be out there. And it's not like other injuries where they've sped it up, you know, at one time with ACLs, all of a sudden you could be back in, mm. you know, four to six months. Obviously, a lot of those people retore it, so they put that on hold. It's more of a nine-month injury. But an Achilles is, best case, nine months, more than likely closer to 12 to be, you know, you might be out there playing after nine months, but it's going to be 12 months before you're back to where you were pre it. So similar to Jack, got to work. I mean, DJ was having an incredible year. I probably had him for Rookie of the Year, slightly ahead of Giddy and, and Wyatt. But, you know, he's going to have to work on other aspects of his game. And with someone like Kev Lish mentoring, I, I, this is where Lish is an assistant coach of the Kings. I can really see stepping up to the plate, keeping him switched on, keeping him acting like a professional athlete, improve his weaknesses that he had, you know, his rookie season, which were very minimal. But anywhere where he can get better that doesn't require him running around, he will. And I think that's big between who DJ is as a person and having Lish as a mentor for the next, you know, six or nine months. Now, I don't know if you remember, but back when we were doing our season predictions and I asked both you and Sean who your rookie of the year would be, and you both said it would be DJ, and that caught me a little bit by surprise, probably just because I didn't know as much about him as I knew perhaps of a, a Josh Giddy or Mojave King and a couple of those guys coming into the season. What was it that had you so confident that DJ would be as good as he turned out to be and and did he even even turn out better than he than he than you expected in his rookie season? Yeah, he was better than I expected. I, I thought he'd average about ten points a game, and I think every single game he played, he scored ten or more, yeah, yeah. Uh, or at one stage on that. So he's, the way he shoots the ball, the way he played in university, like he led a, a, what is it, SEC team. Uh, you know, he was their scorer, he was their go-to guy. Um, it's just it's just watching him play. Sorry, not SEC, but he, he was ACC. You know, in one of the biggest conferences for college basketball, he was a leader and a hell of a scorer. And knowing the confidence he has in his ability, just from the little bit of time I got to spend with him a few years ago in Perth, you know, I just thought with only two imports with the new rules for this year, he's going to get minutes. And with those minutes, he's going to put points on the board. And... Yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. He's helped Sydney win a lot of games. He'll be sorely missed because he essentially took on that third import role yeah, for being a reliable scorer. And now you got to look at the roster and say, how much longer is Xavier Cooks out for? 
you know, can, you know, will Brad Newley step up? But who's going to be our consistent third scorer? Jordan Hunter's doing a good job. But, yeah, he will really, really be missed. But was having an incredible season. And, yeah, you're right. Sean and I both picked him, predicted him to be Rookie of the Year pre-season, and he certainly wasn't disappointing. No, absolutely not. Um, now, of course, Damo, we're here thanks to Boomerang for the Damo Award. We're looking at the best defensive player of the NBL season so far, and we're seeing some great defensive efforts. So the effort, I mean, it's tough to give him a vote because of what Bryce ended up doing, but um, I think we deserve to give a little bit of recognition to Tom Abercrombie for guarding Bryce Cotton for pretty much 45 <laughs> minutes last night, even though he ended up conceding 30-plus points. Yeah, and it's funny. You watch Abercrombie, who is definitely one of the best defenders in the league still after 350 mm. games, and every three is heavily contested. It's not like as a defender, you're like, okay, Bryce is now old 16 <laughs> for his last three games. No, you are fighting over every screen. You are contesting every shot. But that also is going to make you susceptible to, you know, Bryce going off the dribble and getting to the rim. But that's where the help needed to be there. You know, Abercrombie, you get in foul trouble if you test yourself the way Abercrombie did against Bryce. If you want to guard that tight, contest absolutely everything and play on him for a full game, you're going to get in foul trouble. And credit to Abercrombie. Yes, he got to the free throw line a few times. Yes, he gave up some layups. Oh, he made it tough for 35 minutes. He made it very tough for Bryce. He definitely deserves a shout-out. Another person who doesn't get any points this week for me but deserves a shout-out uh, is Jock. In Melbourne, he, now he was a beast on the boards, blocking shots. I thought he uh, really stepped up. And when they get going defensively, Melbourne United mm-hmm. are very, very good. Yeah. Uh, we talk about their skill at the other end, but a lot of it comes from stops and just as the Wildcats pride themselves on getting stops and that leads to their best offense, Melbourne, you can put in that category. They are, are just as good, if not better, defensively than any other team in the league. And I thought Jock in particular was fantastic. Now, your one vote for this week, I it was probably about six or seven weeks ago, you first mentioned this guy. And I thought it was a bit of a joke. And, you know, I thought, huh, not nice one. But I actually think now he is legitimately one of the best defenders in the, in the, whole, in the whole league. And he's probably only doing it on about 10 or 15 minutes a game. You're exactly right. So he didn't get much court burn. Uh, they, Southeast Melbourne play a double header. Leafa only plays five minutes in game one. But in game two, they back it up against the Kings. And he plays 20-plus minutes in one of the toughest assignments there is in the NBL. And that's obviously, you know, Casper Ware and trying to keep him quiet. Casper, you know, played 37 minutes. You know, six of 14 from the field. Don't get me wrong, you know, two of six from three. He still finished with 20 points. But in the, in the moments that really counted, Casper finishes with a plus minus of negative 14. And I want to say a lot of that came when Laafa was, was guarding him. So big shout out to him. He's doing it every time. He picks up full court. He turns you. He's a pest. And it just grinds you down. So I thought, yeah, like he's, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm like, hey, have you seen this kid? Like He's mm. doing some good things out there. Now it's getting backed up by Simon Mitchell. And he backed him to play 20-plus minutes. So, yeah, at one point there, I think you're going to hear him a lot more as a defensive specialist. He can yeah. definitely shoot the ball, but he could really find a niche in this league, getting under the opposition skin and then running and controlling the team from the point guard position. So, yeah, doing very, very well the last few weeks. Absolutely. Now, two votes. Um, no surprise to see Justin Simon back back in the mix. And, and geez, he's a menace, isn't he? When he's attacking the <laughs> offensive glass and when he's playing, he's he's up and in defence, and just the energy he plays at, it's pretty infectious. 
Yeah, reads the game well, you know, can pick passes, jump in the shooting, shooting the, shoot through the passing lane. So, you know, obviously against Cairns, they have a, they have a big win. Uh, Harvey, Harvey v. Bryce this week is going to be so exciting. Don't get me wrong. Mm. It's the matchup everyone wants to see at the offensive end. But getting out there and seeing Simon up close and in person, I can't wait because his athleticism is incredible. But some people are amazingly athletic but they don't utilise it or use it to their strength at the defensive end. He does utilise it. Now, he, he was brilliant again. He doesn't get the amount of blocks or, or steals. You know, he had two steals in that win over Cairns, another couple of steals. But he, yeah, he's everywhere. And defensively, he comes up with big rebounds. He's contesting shots. If he's not getting the block, he's made him his guy, you know, add that little bit of more air to the, to the floater and it usually results in a miss. So, you know, 26 minutes a game. He's slowly creeping up there a little bit more. On minutes played, would love when that finally gets to about 30, but I'm not going to tell Gorge what to do. <laughs> this is purely from a spectator's point of view that enjoys watching him play defense. But yeah, I had to give two points to Simon. I've left him out a few weeks when he easily could have been in there as a points taker, um, but the vote, the votes taker. But yeah, two points thoroughly deserved. Simon again, he's back. And speaking of back, three votes. This man was. There was a patch where he was getting votes every week, and. I think since we challenged him to take on Bryson Sobey in the one week, I think he's gone a little <laughs> bit quiet defensively, but Saturday night against the Wildcats, he was back to his very best. Yeah, a, a nine-game winning streak came to the end for the Wildcats. And, you know, off the back of, you know, I think one of the better performances I've, I've seen in a long time, Sunday Dad's 37 minutes mm. he was out there. And I want to say of those 37 minutes, 36 and a half where he was guarding Bryce, which is, when I said Bryce was the, the fittest player in the league, Sunday's top five as well. Uh, they're ultimate professionals off the court. Their diet is impeccable. They stretch, they train, they, yeah, they're just the ultimate professions. And that is why they can play at a top level for huge minutes and 37 minutes guarding the best offensive player in the league and holding him to, you know, season, or not season lows, but percentages that are well below averages. I didn't hit a three, uh, did he? Was, No, no three. So he went three of 15 from the field, three of eight from the two-point line, all of seven from mm. three. Now, look, some of that has nothing to do with Sunday. Sometimes mm. you don't shoot well, but they were contested. They were all contested by Sunday. It's just that Bryce is a superstar, and sometimes his great offense will beat good defense. Sunday was good the whole game, and at times he was spectacular. And so Bryce played 31 and a half, almost 32 minutes. So Sunday even played more minutes than Bryce and just made it tough all night for him. So, yeah, Sunday dead 3.6 weeks. Adelaide got a huge win over their arch rivals, the Perth Wildcats, and their nine-game streak mm-hmm. and played some great basketball at both ends of the court, but none better at the defensive end than Sunday. Absolutely. Now, if you want to know how that affects the leaderboard, because that means that all three of those guys move up the leaderboard a little bit more, check out our social media pages at Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Damo doesn't want to know the leaderboard because he doesn't want to be prejudiced moving forward, and we love Damo for that. But um, I love your insight once again, Damo. Thank you for, for that. Thanks to Boomerang for making this possible, and enjoy this big weekend you've got ahead, and I look forward to finding out how it all goes next week. Sounds good, mate. Yeah, huge weekend coming up. Enjoy your basketball. Thanks, Damo.
Okay, back here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustling. It's been a big show. We've had the full team back together. Thanks to Damien Martin for his demo award. Thanks to Boomerang. Thanks to Matty Knight for that tab touch preview. Now I'm back with the scoring machine. Um, we're still desperately trying to raise some money, Sean, thanks to Tab Touch for, for your charities. Let's hope you can come up with something for Lifeline WA. You went mighty close again last week, but if you have a look at these games, we've got Thursday night, we've got a, a big game, then two on Friday, two Saturday, two on Sunday. Let let me know your thoughts on what you're expecting. Yeah, I think uh probably be a surprise there for people, but I think Kings will get the Phoenix being at home. Um, I've got the uh, Bullets being the Breakers. You know, it's a heartbreaker versus the Wildcats mm. last game, and uh, you know sometimes it's tough to to come back from that. The Wildcats going to be at home in a full house yeah. against the Hawks. I think they they take that one. Phoenix at home versus the Thirty Sixers. You know, I'm actually going to pick. Uh, it's a hard one, but because I I think the Thirty Sixers are playing better, mm. but. Uh, yeah, I think the Phoenix, if they if they drop the one against the Kings, they're going to get that one at home. Mm-hmm. And then you got the the Kings versus the Taipans. You know, if, if Machado's still out, I think it's – although they got the win last time, I think it's going to be hard for them to, to get that win against the Kings. So Kings could get two wins this round. United at home versus the Hawks. Two tough games for the Hawks this week. And then the Wildcats at home. Uh, I'll be sidelined for that one. Um, Wildcats versus the Breakers. I'm, I'm going to go with the Wildcats, uh, and, and, but let's hope it's uh, as good as a game as it mm. was the last time they met yeah. um, down in Launceston. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right as well. Look at the Hawks. They've got to play the top two teams on the road this weekend, so good luck to Brian Gorgian, and we look forward to hopefully catching up with him here on a bonus show shortly. Now, we've seen the rest of the season schedule for the NBL release now, Sean. Um we finally know when it'll be it'll be finishing. The last game of the regular season will be Sunday, June sixth, and that'll be Melbourne United hosting the Adelaide Thirty Sixers. So we finally have an end date. And I mean, the best news out of it all is that for the last couple of weeks, the New Zealand Breakers will get to go home and play some some home games. I mean, what a what a relief that must be for them. Yeah, it would be, uh, you know, and I hope the the Breakers fans get out and support them. You know, obviously they're probably outside of uh, making the finals mm. contention, but um, you know, to be able to finally get some live basketball there, um, and th- and they've got some talented players that uh, I think could uh, hopefully set themselves up for for next year um, and kind of build some momentum there. But yeah, great great news, Breakers finally get to play at home, and fingers crossed. That uh, that 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 continues, and yeah. they can kind of <laughs> complete the schedule as it is. Uh, although, well, as we've seen, they're probably going to still need to be some adjustments, possibly. Well, imagine if you, if they have it taken away from them now after having it promised. That's 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 just hope the world isn't that cruel. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be cruel. That time where you you, you just finally feel you can relax mm. a little bit. Let's hope uh, let's hope they get to. Uh, Enjoy uh, some 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 hometown. I'm sure they'll be excited to see their family and friends. Now, on a, on a local level as well, the NBL One West competition, first time under the NBL One banner, the old SBL has now become an NBL One competition. Um, it gets underway this this weekend with a full full round of fixtures on Friday and Saturday night. But it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing the scoring machine as part of it. No, you won't see me out there uh, running around, but uh, there's plenty of good talent uh, in the NBL West this year, so I'm excited to see 
see how it plays out. There's some, uh, you know, some good players coming back from college. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I, I hope the uh, WA community gets out and supports the NBL West, um, NBL One West. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, you know, it's great that there's an alignment. And, uh, you know, I think that it's going to be a competitive environment. And some teams have done some really good recruiting. And, and you know, I think it's uh, there's some great basketball out there. So uh, if, if you're living in WA, get out and support your, your local NBL West One West team. Yeah, absolutely. And, on a personal note, for the first time ever, my two worlds are colliding. So basically, during an NBL season, I'm pretty much working full-time with my different NBL duties. And then on a normal SBL or NBL1 season, that pretty much takes up my, my full-time duties. And all of a sudden, for the next couple of months, I'm going to have to juggle both at the same time. So I wish I wish myself good luck for the next two months, Sean. I'll be looking forward to seeing when they don't collide anymore and I can have the NBL1 season um, on its own for, for the last couple of months, but it's going to be an interesting period of time. But I'm looking forward to having so much basketball. It's a, it's a better problem to have than the opposite problem, as you're probably finding right now, Sean. You're probably involved in basketball more right now than you were while you were playing. That's right. I think I'm on the basketball court uh, more now than, than even, even um, yeah, when I was with the Wildcats, mm. I think the other day at camp, I, I took something like 23,000 steps uh, <laughs> At basketball camp, wow. uh, so uh, yeah, it's great. To, uh, you know, basketball is booming. Yeah, I guess it's a feast or famine, and at the at the moment, we're feasting on basketball. NBL One West, NBL, you know, NBA playoffs mm-hmm. are going to be coming up soon. So uh, you know, it's a great time of year, and uh, let's hope uh, let's hope it can continue. And we're lucky enough to be able to talk about it here on the show. Hoop Seven are making that possible, and then Tab Touch are supporting us with the Tap Touch preview each and every week, and Boomerang brings us the Demo Award each and every week. So thank you to the, for their support. We just wouldn't be able to be here without without their support. So thank you for their continued support of us here on the show. I'll wrap it up for another week. I'm Chris Pike and leave you with the famous words of the scoring machine. Real interesting one. They have, they've come out with a schedule. It finished in June 6th. By the time finals hits, you know, it's probably going to be the end of June, beginning of July, and then you're going to, you know, the players will get a little bit time off and then go in straight to the next season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of plays out in that regard. So they move the season back a little bit to give these guys a little bit of rest because they've played a lot of games. So, um, but it's it's great. Let's hope the fingers crossed they can finish the season uh, and uh, we get a real. NBL champion and uh, and ho- and hopefully NBL one West season is outstanding as well.